Ephesians 6 and 6.16. Yeah, that didn't sound right. Ephesians 6, verse 16. I know I'll get it right. It's lesson number four of the day. Hang with me here. <laughs> Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What great words. He doesn't say you might be able to. He says you will be able to. If you write in your Bibles, go ahead and underline or highlight that. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one if you take the shield of faith. And notice the phrase that this verse begins with. Above all. What does that mean? Most important. Most crucial. Most critical. Of the utmost importance. Throughout your lifelong battle. With these forces of evil in the wicked in the heavenly places, these forces of wickedness and the evil I'll get this right, the forces of evil and wickedness in the heavenly place. I had too good a lunch, that's my problem. The shield of faith. This is where it comes to being back to back and supporting one another. Listen, it does not matter if you have got the best belt, if you're a Roman soldier. The biggest breastplate or the sharpest nails in your shoes, those could not protect you from the fiery arrows the way the shield of faith could. That's why he says, above all, above those things, because it is the shield of faith and that shield of faith alone that will protect you from all the fiery darts. See, we're not just talking about any shield here. Again, I want to refer back to... David Penley's, I keep referring to his material, and Julie was nice enough to find it and to send it for me. He said, hey, if there's anything here you can use, and there was a lot of good usable material there, his um, sermons on marriage, on oneness in marriage. And he's got a section there entitled, The Right Kind of Shield. Listen to this. <clears throat> Roman soldiers carried one of two types of shields into battle, depending on the type of fighting they would be doing. One type was small and round, used typically by cavalry soldiers on horseback. The shield was light, could be held in one hand, could be used while riding horses and fighting with a sword in the other hand. Sort of like we saw um, as, as earlier on, those little shields that they come up through with. But the type of shield that Paul mentions in Ephesians was carried by foot soldiers. It was large and oblong covering the soldier's entire body from the top of his head to his feet. Behind it, a soldier's front was completely protected. The shield was necessary to protect a soldier from what Paul refers to as flaming arrows. And again, the skit earlier with that was terrific. The enemy would shoot great waves of arrows at the soldiers that had been dipped in a flammable substance and set on fire. The Roman shields were not only so large that they would cover the entire body and protect them from being pierced by the arrows, but these shields were also so thick that the arrows would actually sink into them and the flames would be extinguished. These shields were made of layers of wood sealed together, covered with leather, and held together by iron. One Roman soldier, after a battle, wrote of discovering 220 extinguished arrows sticking in his shield. 
One Roman soldier, 220 arrows. Yet he was unharmed. Paul tells us that the faith protects us like this large shield. It keeps us from being pierced and burned, no matter how fierce Satan's attacks may be. And as we have discussed before, Satan's purpose is to destroy us and our marriages. His attacks will be fierce, fiery, relentless, and continuous. Can you imagine that? 220 actual pock marks or places where fiery arrows had pierced his shield and been snuffed out because of the thickness. It was layers of wood. No oxygen, so the, the arrows would go out. 220, and he wasn't harmed. Think about that. But the battle scars were there still. That's what those pock marks were, just like there will be battle scars in your marriage. There will be battle scars in you as a couple because no marriage, whether two weeks or 60 years, no marriage escapes without being attacked. It is inevitable. Yours will not, ours will not escape. No marriage is immune from the fiery darts. No marriage is immune from divorce. Not even the strongest is absolutely impervious to it. And the moment that you think that yours is beyond Satan's ability to get to in any way, shape, or form, you think that it is, is so impervious and so strong that, even, that Satan could not even <laughs> begin with his worst assault to leave scars, you've already lost the battle. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. For those who think they stand, they need to take heed lest they fall. Do not become so overconfident that Satan cannot touch you, because as long as you're on this earth, he can. And he's trying hard for your marriage. Karen and I know. You know, I stand before you now, you know, and, and we're here and things are good, but you know what? There's been times in our marriages when we've had our rough spots. Everybody does. You know that. Most of you. Several things that I want to note from verse 16 of Ephesians 6. Having faith does not indicate the absence of battles and firefights with the enemy, but enables us to have the power and the protection and the perseverance to overcome them. To live to fight on to victory. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9, and 1 John 5 and verse 4. Please notice that it is a shield of faith, just like a Roman soldier's... I don't step over there, it'll make a noise. Just like a Roman soldier's shield was layer upon layer of wood, and was thick, and it was layered, and it had the leather over the front of it. Our shields of faith, we need layer after layer after layer of faith. We need our faith continually strengthened. We need to keep studying. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. We can never get to the point in our Christian lives or our marriages where we think, okay, I've studied all I need to study. I know what I need to know of God's word. I'm comfortable in what I know. I don't need to learn anymore. The moment you stop adding layers to that shield, you weaken it. It is a shield of faith. 
One thing we learn as we look into the Word is how our strength for battle's future can be gained from looking at our victory given by God in battle's past. Has God ever brought you and your spouse through something difficult? You know what will give you strength in your shield of faith for the next battle to come down the line? Looking back at how God brought you through a past battle and gave you that victory. You look back and you say, you know what? God brought us through this when we didn't think X, Y, Z. That's part of that shield of faith. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is what David did. We know the story of, of David and Goliath, but one of the greatest things to me in that story, one of the greatest elements, is, is what happens before that battle ever takes place. The preparation before that battle ever happens. The reason David won victory was, yes, his faith, but his faith, if we look prior to the battle, his faith was strengthened by looking back at victories of past battles. 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 37. When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You're a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, This was before the battle ever took place. David said to Saul, your servant, that is me, according to David, David saying me, I, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. See where David's strength was coming from? His faith in God was coming from? His faith in God was coming from looking back and saying, God brought me through this. Therefore, I know and have the faith that I can conquer in this battle. If we do this God's way, we can win this. That faith comes by looking at how God has already delivered. Verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of the bear, he'll deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. That is part of our shield of faith in our marriages. One of the other things that we would learn from the depiction that was given earlier is that waves come in arrows. No, arrows come in waves. That's what I want to say. Arrows come in waves. You know what? One arrow is not that hard to deflect. Two, eh. Two hundred at once, eh. That's kind of how that goes, right? Arrows come in waves. Satan will attack us at different times from different angles. Again, he's evil, but he's not dumb. He will attack us from different angles and with different temptations depending on the situation. And he's going to attack us when and where we are at our weakest and most vulnerable. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, please. Satan is going to attack you at your weakest. He's not going to attack you at your strength. Some of you may be really strong in certain areas in your marriage. Satan's not going after that. He's looking for easy prey. He's going after you when you're weakest, when you've had a fight with your spouse, when, when things aren't maybe all you thought that they were. That's when he's going after you. That's when he's coming in hard and fast. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. I think that's one of the greatest understatements in the Bible, right? He went without food 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. Really? How many of us go 40 hours, right? Continuing on. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, and this is critical, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. The absolute, utmost, weakest place in Christ's life. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. Satan does not come along and tempt him with anything other than that which he most needed and would most desire at that exact moment in time. Do we see that? That's where he came at him. He came at him where he hurt. He came at him where he was weak. And Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What did he say? may have gone without food 40 days, but it's not earthly hunger that I'm living by. I'm living by God's word. And we know from Luke 4 and verse 2 that it was during that entire 40 days he was also being tempted. But when Jesus had done that, for gone through 40 days of fasting and temptation, then the temptation at the end is for food. When Jesus doesn't fall for Satan's temptations, Luke 4 and verse 13 says that the devil went away and left him until what? An opportune time. Waited till he was weak again in another area. Waited until his guard was down or he was weakened in another area. Not that our, not that our Lord was ever, was ever uh, weak, and it's not an irreverent comment, but he was tempted in all things as we are. Yeah, right? That's what Scripture says. That's why he can help us in our time of need. He knew what it was like to be without food for 40 days, and so he hits him with bread. The fact is that Satan is always going to wait and attack us when we are at our weakest and most vulnerable. That's why we need God's help. That's why we need the shield of faith. That's why we need the full armor of God. You know, the further we go in life, the more we study, the more experiences we have where God helps us through as married couples, individuals, you would think that the easier it would be to beat the devil out of our marriage. You'd think that the older you get and the further you go and the more you study and the more you know, you'd think that it would be easier then to win all of these battles. I remember when Karen and I were first married, they said, oh, that first year is going to be your hardest. Well, we got through the first year, and then you know what the line was. Well, the first five years are the hardest. Got through those five years. Well, the first ten years are the hardest, and it, it, just, it just kept going. But the fact is, is that you're vulnerable to Satan's temptation at any time during your marriage, at any time during your life. Now, the temptations may be a little different as time goes by, but it seems like sometimes the further you go, the more he turns up the heat. And if he doesn't turn up the heat at the very least, he's going to keep attacking only from a different angle. If he can't get in over here, he's going to try over here. And if he can't get in over here, he's going to come from this direction. That's why we need to keep digging in our heels, digging in with those spikes on, layering up our shields of faith, layering them hard, 
and keeping our sword of the Spirit sharp and ready to swing. Let me ask you a question. If we think that it gets easier as you go or that somehow we get beyond being vulnerable to Satan's temptations, let me just ask you to consider this. Did David fail more monumentally when he was a youth with Goliath or when he was middle-aged with Bathsheba? If you think it gets easier as you go, and we don't need to be as concerned for our older couples, or those who've been married for years as we are some of those who haven't been married all that long, let me ask you another question. Did Jesus sweat great drops of blood at the very beginning of his ministry, when he was tempted in Matthew 4, or at the very end after three and a half years of his ministry? When did he sweat as great drops of blood? Was it not further on? Was it not more of a struggle then? Or did it not at least appear to be more intense for him the night before he was crucified? A vital battle fact that we must never lose sight of is that Satan always tempts us when we are at our weakest and most vulnerable. And those weaknesses and those vulnerabilities come in different areas of life at different stages of our life. For example, people that are first married are tempted by Satan in certain areas. We'll get to that in a minute. But we look at some of these older couples and we say, well, you know, they must have it made. No, they're tempted in different areas, but the temptation and the struggle is still there. Satan is still after them. Let me give you an example of how we change in life. Circumstances change. Things change. Those things which allure us change. We know about the story with David and Bathsheba. We know as a, as a middle-aged man, we know what happened there. But you know what? Even though he was willing to pay a terrible price for his affair with Bathsheba, he, he lost so much. Go home and read first, uh, 2 Samuel chapters 12-17. through 17. It, Just untold terrible stuff happened to David as a result of that. Even though he was willing to risk all of that and pay that terrible cost, why don't you look at what the Bible says happened when he got older. 1 Kings chapter 1. Please turn there. 1 Kings chapter 1. Beginning verse 1. Now King David was old advanced in years, and when they put covers on him, he could not get warm. And, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Verse 2. Therefore his servants said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, and our lord, that our lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel, and found Abishag the Shunammite, brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but he did not know her. You see, those things that might have tempted him earlier in life and did with Bathsheba no longer did. And the fact is, what I'm using that is simply an illustration to say this, that when folks are younger, younger, the tempter uses fiery arrows like pride, lust, jobs, time, and schedules to seek to strip away and steal their faith and spiritual lives and marriages. Let's face it. 
Let's face it. When we start out in life and we have several children, a lot of times today it takes two people working outside the home and then as the children get a little older there's all kinds of you know soccer games and baseball games and football games and plays and this and that one thing and another and, and we can tend to not take the time that we need to to keep ourselves together and back to back fighting the good fight. We can, we can begin to neglect Bible study just because there's not 35 hours in a day. And so when that happens those are some of the temptations that we, that we face that kind of allure us and pull us away in there. You know, some of these are good things, like our kids and all of that, but at the same time, we still need that time together. We still need that time to study. We still need that time to worship the Lord. But those are the temptations when you're younger. Satan tempts us with worldly cares and the pursuit of riches and the things of the world. And for a lot of younger folks, those take priority over worship and study and time with our spouses and family. I once knew a young woman, we used to live beside of this couple back in Maine, and <clears throat> tried to talk to her about the Lord, and she said, oh, we'll have time for God when we get older. Yeah, not a good thing. Knew another young lady that was just married, and she said, you know, she said when we were dating, we had time enough, we spent a lot of time together, but she said now that we're married, she said both of us working two jobs, we hardly see each other. All of those things pull at us, pull at us. Satan seek, seeking to divide and conquer and, and get us apart if he can. You know, Karen and I are now officially empty nesters. Katie is married. <laughs> and we are officially empty nesters. But one of the things that I am grateful to God for is that because when the kids were growing up, we would occasionally take that time, like I told you last year, we would occasionally still take that time, and even at the cost of, instead of being at work for extra hours and extra money, and even if it cost us more than we could afford, I mean, sometimes we did things we couldn't afford to do just to be a couple and to get away. And because we did that, we're now not waking up in our empty nester year saying, who are you? We, we, we know who each other is because we, we took the time to build that relationship up through those years even though the temptation was strong not to. Like I said, when you're young and first married, you can sort of be like two porcupines trying to back into the same hole. But then, you get to be middle-aged. Maybe you build up a little equity in a house. You know, kids get a little bit older, get their own car. You know, they can drive. The temptations maybe aren't, aren't quite the same. Life isn't quite the same. So, Satan will try to attack you in a different area, come at you from a different angle. Maybe... You know, by then, you've been married for 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> you've had time to learn your spouse's shortcomings. A little bit more than when you first married and everything's wonderful, right? You've learned to have morning breath, right? And so, all of a sudden, you see them as flawed in some way. And, and Satan will try to get in there and, and, and get you to separate over that. And if you haven't spent the time that you need to, layering your shield of faith, loving like Jesus loves, all of those things that we have talked about at this retreat, if you haven't learned to guard against gossip and slander and not going by the golden rule, as I said earlier, you haven't spent time doing that. The temptation then is to advertise your spouse's dirty laundry because you've had time to learn, learn it. And you know what can happen in the workplace or anywhere else when you start 
downing the one you're married to, somebody's willing to fill the gap. You know, we talk about this saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, little sheep sees on the other side of the fence is this green grass, but the herd's all over here under the care of the shepherd. And so this little sheep sees this green grass on the other side and goes out there and wow, and looks around and says, well, wait a minute, over there it's even better, and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. You know what? For long, that little sheep is lost out there and is not surrounded anymore by the shepherd's care and the other sheep. You know what he's surrounded by now? Wolves. Wolves. Don't get caught in the spouse trap. That's exactly what it is. As you're middle-aged, also, some men and women, both Christian and non-Christian, Satan may get in there and try to exploit that little question. You know, wonder if I'm still attractive. Wonder if I still got what it takes. Satan will try to get in there with that. You know, it's one of those lies of Satan. You know what comes out? You're missing out. You're missing out. Just like he said to Eve, you can have it all. You can be like God. You know what? If you're a Christian spouse and you're married to somebody that's committed to you, you've already got it all. If you've got the best, why are you going to look for something less? And if you're married to a faithful Christian spouse who loves you and is trying to be that Christ-like person that we've described throughout, why would you look at anybody else? That's just dumb. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. None of us would shoot for so much less. You know, if you work in a job and you make $1,000 a week and somebody says, hey, I'll give you $200 a week to do the same job you're doing now, how many of us would leap at that? We say, no, that's dumb. Uh-huh. It's the same thing. You see, what it takes, quote-unquote, is not what the world continually bombards you with when it comes to outer physical attractiveness. What it takes is a solid, faithful, and God-fearing heart of devotion and commitment to God and subsequently to your spouse and subsequently to your marriage vows no matter how much bad morning breath they've got. That's what it takes. Speaking of Satan's fiery darts that can cause the burning of your marriage and the searing of your soul. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 through 29, speaks of what will happen should the fire get through our shields of faith and we fall for Satan's lies. We're going to get burned. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals, and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her, shall not be innocent." Now, as we move from youth to middle age to older people, we may think, well, you know, older people, they've got it all together. Granted, they've got more study time. They've got more time of experience with each other. They've got more time of fighting off the devil. But you know what? 
His fiery darts are still aimed at them, only it's a little bit different. You know, they're not working maybe two jobs to buy a home or to build a home because they've already got a home and they build up equity, may even be paid for. Right? And they're not looking to buy their first car as a couple. Maybe they got three cars. I mean, the temptations are going to be different from, for them. You know what the older folks worry about? You know some of those fiery darts? Older folks worry about the death of their spouse. They worry about illness. They worry about a lot of other things. As I said in one of our earlier sessions, one of the greatest dangers, especially for older men that I've seen in the church, is if your spouse dies, marrying a non-Christian. Those are some of the temptations. And hey, you know what? You, you, you know, you've been in church all your life, and you know, this woman is beautiful, and she really wants to be with you. And, you know, okay, so she's not a Christian. Okay, all right. But, but think about, that's the way Satan attacks older men. Older women, same sort of thing. You know, he's, you know, he's easy on the eyes. You know, he's a great income. You know, uh, this and that. And one thing. Now, he's not a Christian, but okay. You know, just forget First Corinthians seven thirty nine. Don't worry about it. You know, did God really mean that you had to marry somebody in the faith? Really? Older people have different fiery darts to deal with. As we conclude on the shield of faith, by which we can extinguish all the fiery darts of the devil when it comes to our marriages. I want to layer up our shields with one final text to help us reinforce them. I want to put some layers on your shield. Please open your Bibles to the 37th Psalm. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Shore up your shield, Christian. I'm going to be reading excerpts from Psalm 37. If you want to write them down beforehand, they are Psalm 37. Verses 3 through 8, verses 23 through 31, and 37 through 40. Psalm 37, 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm, and it will cause it in your marriage. Verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell evermore. For the Lord loves justice, and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. 
The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. That is a true statement. It is God's word and it is true in your marriage. Verses 23 through 31 needs to be applied to our marriages. And finally, verses 37 through 40. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace. If we would but be blameless and upright in our marriages, our marriages would be so filled with God's peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. That's why we need to put on the full armor of God. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. When you put on the full armor of God in your marriage, you know what you're telling God? I trust you, God, that your way is the best. And God honors that. We need to make sure that our shields are thick enough and layered enough in faith to resist those fiery darts, no matter if we've been married for two days or 60 years. He's just coming at the, other, at the older from a different angle than he came at the younger. But he's still coming. But you can win.